And hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jose, and I'm grateful to be here with you guys today. So, before we get started, I do have a little announcement for you guys. One thing, if remember, if you guys want me to answer your questions live on the show, there'll be a link that'll be posted right before the show starts. So, send those questions in so I can start answering them while the show's going live. So, today, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about killer whales, or orcas, as they're also known as as well. Um, And then, there'll be a cool little surprise at the end for you guys as well at the end of the podcast so stay tuned for that but before we do dive into the show tonight there is a disclaimer that i would like to put out um for those of you obviously if you know killer whales you know about sea world there will be some discussions about some things of sea world relations if you do not like those kind of topics you are more than welcome to Pass this podcast up and go to the next one if you so choose to. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought I'd put that disclaimer out there because this is an open space where people can have their opinions. But I'm not going to let people come and attack me for me being opinionated about how I feel. So I just thought I'd put that disclaimer out there just for you guys. But anyway, off of that little soapbox here. So if you guys are ready, we're going to go take a little break and we'll be back with the show. Hey guys, this is your host Jose from the Wild About Animals podcast, and I just wanted to ask you guys, have you ever wondered if you guys could send me questions and I could answer you guys' live while the show was going on? Well, now I can. Thanks to Anchor, there's a link that I sent you guys on the Facebook page at Wild About Animals on Facebook, where if you leave me your questions, whether you type them or you can leave a voice message, I can actually answer it live while the show is going on. So if you really got some questions, go ahead and click that link and start today. And we're back from that break, and I hope you guys are ready to dive into the show. So as you guys know, the orca is a marine mammal, or killer whale is another name. But the funny thing about it is, is that you guys, if you listen to the name killer whale, you would automatically assume that a killer whale was a whale. But in fact, it's actually a dolphin. The orca is the largest member of the dolphin family, (coughs) but it has killer whale attached to its name because of its, I guess, its natural way of its hunting methods, per se. Basically how I got the name, because ancient sailors used to see these guys attack whales, and they actually used to have the name Whale Killer, but it got swapped around because Killer Whale was, you know, an easier way to say it. To me, it sounds a lot cooler. Um, but the, yes, the thing is, the Killer Whale is actually a dolphin. I mean, dolphins and whales are kind of, they're cousins anyway, but a killer whale is just a big dolphin, pretty much. Um, it's always the common appearance with its sleek black backs and the bright white bellies, eye patches, and it's also the, the extinguished white eye patches that we all know and love of these beautiful creatures. Um, and they're easily distinguishable above any other aquatic animals. Um, they are some of the ocean's largest predators. Males can grow up to 9.5 meters, while females are slightly smaller. They live primarily where the water is colder, like in the polar regions, but they can pretty much live anywhere in the water. They're the most widespread of all sea creatures. But true to their name, killer whales are pretty effective hunters. Their diet consists of a multitude of things. You know, they eat seals, they eat fish, they eat birds, they eat turtles, they eat octopus and squid. 
they will even attack whales, whales of variety of sizes, even the giant blue whale, which is three times their size. They're even one of the few predators that can take on and kill a great white shark effectively. There's even been uh, what studies shown that great white sharks, if they even see or sense killer whales, they'll actually run away. That's how you know if you can scare a great white shark. Um, and their hunting methods, which they're pretty known for. Killer whales hunt in packs. They're actually called the wolves of the sea because they hunt in packs like wolves on land. And they'll actually chase prey down or herd it into smaller areas. And then once it's cornered, each member of the pod will take turns ramming and biting the prey until it's dead. But they also, being intelligent as they are, have also picked up more effective ways to hunt down prey. Like one in particular, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen this on Discovery Channel and or Planet 1 or the 2. I'll give you a scenario. If an orca has a seal trapped on an ice iceberg or ice floe, the orcas will tip it over and have the seal fall down into the water and there'll be another orca waiting at the other end with its mouth wide open to catch that seal. Or another way, and this is another seal reference, is orcas are one of the only few creatures that will beach themselves. Now, when I say beach, what that means is this is a very common, not understood behavior, but a lot of dolphins and whales will beach themselves. And what that means is they will come on the shore and they'll get so far inland that they can't get out and swim and then they'll become stuck and then eventually they'll die at some point. But killer whales have found an effective way to do this where the seals will obviously swim and once they get on shore, the seals think they're safe from the killer whale. But little do they know that the killer whale can actually beach itself by swimming on the current a little bit. And then it can effectively grab the seals that are on the shore and then pull its way back into the ocean and get out and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes a killer whale gets stuck. <laughs> but eventually, but effectively, this is another hunting mechanic that killer whales have come up with. There's multitudes of different ways that killer whales have hunted. And, I mean, that just shows how effective that they are and how intelligent their pack mentality is. I mean... It's also been shown that killer whales can mimic what other killer whales do in just a couple tries and figure it out, which is probably why this whole method of hunting has been passed down from generation to generation upon killer whales. But even though that these killer whales have this big diet, it actually turns out that they're actually picky eaters. And, excuse me, but once they learn what their family eats, they're pretty much not likely to switch diets. It's actually been shown that... Several pods in different locations of the world will specialize in hunting in a particular type of speed of animal than most others would. So, for example, like I said, the ones that hunt the seals that way, they specialize in that area because that's probably what their primary diet is. But there's also been studies of orcas, I believe, by Great Britain area, where they will actually herd migrating swarms of schools of fish into these narrow areas so I can just capture them. But you see what I'm saying? It's like it's, they have they can adapt and change their hunting methods to whatever they specialize in hunting. Now another tool that they use just like dolphins, killer whales use echolocation in their hunting methods as well, or sonar. 
pretty much what that means is a killer whale will send out a beam of sound and it will bounce back to the killer whale. And pretty much what that does is it gives the killer whale all of the information that it needs. The object's location, the size, and the shape. And this has been a very successful tool that dolphins and whales and killer whales have used to basically survive in the ocean because it gives them what I would like to say about echolocation like it gives them an edge because it actually lets them know what they're running into because you know if you're deep dive in the ocean you know sometimes it gets dark you can't see but if you can use echolocation to try to tell you where things are you can kind of maneuver your way around and then it's also an effective way to communicate because they can actually, it's been shown that killer whales can actually do, like I said earlier, they're like pack animals, like wolves. They can actually coordinate their attacks and the best way to do that is to communicate. And each pod has its own distinctive sound to use. So it's, and they can even determine who is a member of their pod and who is this stranger whale that just kind of came up on you. Um, which to me is, if you had to ask me, it's like, I think when it comes to hunting as a group, it's more effective for you because you can kind of outnumber whatever you're chasing if there's more than one of you. Granted, it kind of limits how much you can eat, but that's probably why killer whales hunt as much as they do because they have to feed everyone in the pod. Now, when I say pods because that's what a group of killer whales are called. Um, but there's three different type of pods. So the transit pod, which they're constantly moving, following their food source. Those are usually the smaller of the three types of pods. They're usually not as big as the other ones. And then there's the resident pod, where they actually stay in the area close to shore, which typically has about 10 to 45 whales. And that's usually the pods where the calves usually stay with their mother for the rest of their lives. And then there's the offshore ones that prefer the open water, and those are the bigger of the two, or the three, sorry, that I listed earlier. But scientists don't know why they do this. Um, some believe that this is like a subspecies of killer whale. If you ask me, maybe it's... I would say it's like an evolutionary type of thing, because typically if you're following food sources... It's probably easier with the transit one not have as many members to keep track of. But with the resident one, if you're going to stay in an area, then I guess it's easier to maintain a bigger number group. And then the offshore one, obviously, when you're in open waters, you know, that's kind of, I guess it's kind of a mixture of the two. But that's just my feel on that. I'm not saying that's facts or anything. Now, <coughs> sorry about that. Now, you're probably wondering when it comes to killer whales, and I've actually always kind of wondered this, too. I actually didn't know what I'm about to tell y'all now, but I've always wondered how, like, orcas and dolphins and whales sleep in the water, because unlike fish, they need to breathe oxygen. And, you know, most of the time, orcas and killer whales, orcas, dolphins, and whales can only hold their breath for so long. Um... Well, actually, doing some of the research that I do, I actually found out that they sleep a little bit different than we do. Now, when you go to sleep, obviously when you go to sleep, you become unconscious. Or your mind, or your body has a breathing reflex that will continue to breathe automatically. So when you're sleeping, your body will continue to breathe 
and you don't have to tell, you know, we really don't have to tell ourselves to breathe, we just automatically do it. But when you're asleep, your body still tells it, you know, you need to breathe or whatever. Orcas can't sleep in this way. They have to remain conscious, even while they're sleeping. Because their breathing is not automatic, because they have to come up and breathe. So what happens is, what the orca will do is, half of his brain will sleep, and the other half stays alert to continue letting them be able to breathe, while also looking out for danger in their environment. They only close, like, one eye, and then the other eye is open, and then basically takes turns sleeping, and then it gets all the rest it needs without ever having to lose conscious. And then when they do this, they usually swim very slowly, and they're close to the surface. Now, again, that seems kind of an effective way to sleep, if you ask me. Um, but I like to sleep, so I don't really know if having, you know, one eye open, but I'm not an orca, so that's really not nothing to do with me. <laughs> but pretty much that answered that, because I always wondered, I was like, how do dolphins sleep? Like, you know, like I had a weird theory, like they turned upside down and sleep. I, I don't know, it was, it was a weird theory, but, you know, that's what I was telling you guys before. Like, you know, in each podcast, it's like each time we go and we research these things, you know, we find out multitude of things about animals that, you know, you may not know. And I learned something new today with that as well. Now, unbeknownst or uncommon people may believe killer whales are aggressive because of their name or whatever. Um, they are really on a threat to us. Um, it's a very rare occurrence that they will actually even approach humans. If they do, they usually do it in a more curiosity type of appeal, like, they'll either swim up because, if you look, okay, pretty much if a killer was looking up from you underneath, if you're on, we'll say, one of a kayak or canoe, from them looking up or them looking at you, you may come across as a seal because the paddles will look like flippers to them, and most of the time, they'll, what they'll do is they'll bump you to see what you are. And then usually after that, they can, they'll tell that you're not a seal or anything that they can eat. So they'll typically just leave you alone. So it's been a very rare occurrence where, or rare case, where killer whales have killed people in the wild. There have been cases of killer whales killing people in captivity. But there are reasons behind that. And now we're about to dive into the discussion of SeaWorld because it connects to orcas. Now, again, like I said before, there was a disclaimer placed before we even started talking about this. So hopefully you listened to it. If you did not listen to it, you might want to go back and probably skip this part of the podcast if you made it this far. Hopefully, I hope you enjoyed the majority of that. But if you're still here, now we're going to dive into the topic of SeaWorld. Now, everybody knows that killer whales are famous, basically, from SeaWorld. And me, myself, I've gone to SeaWorld one time. And, of course, with the whole, you know, the killer whale show, you know, it gives you the chance to see these majestic marine mammals in person, doing flips, doing spins, doing twirls, commands, and all that other stuff. And for me, 
at first seeing it at first, it's very entertaining. It's very magical. It's a magical, you know, it's a big moment because it's not like you see killer whales that often. However, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard about the couple cases of captive killer whales killing their keepers. Um, and I feel that when we get on this topic, people are going to be like, you know, well, it's the whale's fault. Let me give you a little education on that part real quick. If you've gone to SeaWorld, or if you've seen a show, and you have to understand from the killer whale's point of view, um, these guys are swimming around in a circle that's not as big as their normal territory usually is. Not to mention they're doing about two to three or four shows a day. Um, and they're being trained for human entertainment. Not to be the wild creatures that they are. Me, personally, when it comes... if I think the idea... And I was telling a friend this earlier. We were having a discussion about SeaWorld. I think the idea that SeaWorld had at first was, you know, the idea of showing people, you know, what these animals can do is fine. But it's just like, if you're going to do it, then you also need to understand what these animals' basic needs are. And I'm telling you, for me, actually seeing the pool that they actually have these guys in, you know, it's kind of small. Um, killer whales need a lot of territory to swim around. They need a lot of exercise, a lot of stimulation. And for me, it just comes across as like, <sighs> there's better ways to show, or I guess to, for people to see killer whales. You know, because <sighs> when I heard about the killer whale attack, or the more recent one that happened, you know, I obviously felt bad for the trainer, obviously. But it was like... It was one of those things where it was like, it could have happened at any time. Because these animals are going through a lot of stress. Um, again, like I said, two to, three, two to three, four shows in a very small enclosure. You know, animals do get stressed. I do believe that a lot of the cases where animals attack handlers is under stress. Um, because it's not natural for them to do what they're doing, if that makes sense. Um, which is why I have a very love-hate relationship with things like SeaWorld and the circus, for example. Because we're using animals for human entertainment. And, like I said before, you know, it's... It's quick to blame the animal without actually thinking about what that animal is dealing with when you're not there watching it perform. And even though these animals are raised by humans, majority, I think, the majority of the killer whales in SeaWorld now are bred there. Um, they used to catch them wild, which wasn't a smart idea if you ask me. But, <clears throat> excuse me. But when it comes to that, I don't think, ideally that SeaWorld should promote killer whale shows anymore. I think maybe doing what kind of zoos do, but give the killer whales a bigger enclosure to swim around in and let people just just see them be killer whales is more educational than having them flip and spin around for a whistle and a fish. 
It's borderline animal cruelty. You don't learn anything by watching a, a whale do a flip or come on the thing and splash you with water. It's cool in the aspect, but what do you learn from that? What do you take back from that by watching this animal do a flip and a spin? You would learn more by reading a book on it, or in a case if it was in an enclosure, you could actually watch it do natural behaviors. Because you're robbing these guys of them actually being animals. They become performers and workers who don't even get paid for doing what they do. You're robbing them of their natural affinity to be an animal of what they are. And I told myself, because let me, like I said, I went to SeaWorld. I did. I enjoyed the show. But when I got older and I took the time to actually think about what was going on, it was very heartbreaking to me. It was very heartbreaking because it was like, I paid money to go see this animal perform, who's probably exhausted from performing the same thing two to three times a day, in a small enclosure, not being stimulated, being allowed to be this beautiful marine mammal who just wants to do the normal things that it was programmed to do. But instead, it got trained to do flips and tricks for a show and splash water on people. And most people don't even care about where or how it's being taken care of or whatnot. Now, I'm not saying that the people in SeaWorld don't care, but it's very prevalent that it's not a main priority or the public hasn't made it aware. Now, there's people who know about it and thrown, you know, protest about it. But it's like the main public doesn't seem to care about what is going on with these animals. But then again, most of the time, the public doesn't pay attention to what's going on with the environment or how, you know, endangered species or whatever. Which, again, this podcast is here to open those those eyes. Open everybody's eyes. Because I want you to think... We'll do a little exercise real quick before we cut the show down for the night. I want you to think about that you basically got... You are born in a cage. A small cage at that. And you were raised by these people who, you know, they took care of you. They fed you. When they got sick, they gave you medicine... And all that good stuff. And then when you got older, they started teaching you tricks. You know, they would give you rewards, whatever you did it. And then it got to a point where it was like you were doing the same thing two to three times a day in a crowd of people. Not to mention you're sharing a pretty much a giant fishbowl with two or three of your other siblings. And you're all massive marine mammals. And then not to mention, you're not allowed to swim around, be stimulated, and be free. And actually be a killer whale, you become a performer. And you do it all the time. And then there's even times where it's like, you know, you may come off as sick, but they still push you out there to go to perform. And you're not allowed to be your actual normal self. 
I told y'all this because I want you to think about and put yourself in the killer whale's flippers for right now. And with that, guys, that is the end of the Wild About Animals podcast for today. And I do have a lovely announcement for you guys. So as you all know, we do have a Facebook page at Wild About Animals at Facebook.com. But after this show, we will actually now have a Discord. Um, if you guys don't know, Discord is this lovely platform where you can use, you can talk, go on voice chats, talk to people, you know, whatever video game if you choose to. And I decided that that would be another way to connect with you guys um, through Discord. Um, there will be a link in the Facebook page on for the Discord page if you want to join. You're more than welcome to. Um, there will be some guidelines and some rules to join the wild community. And who knows, maybe one day um, down the line, I could do a live show and you guys could, you know, come on and be guests on there and talk if you so choose to. Or we could just, you know, sit there, chit-chat, talk about animals all day. Whatever you guys prefer. But I hope you guys enjoyed the show and I can't wait to see you guys next week. And remember to stay wild.